0: What that is? Everything. Anglo thieves.
1: Gettle's gone?
2: Oh my god, you people have just failed me, failed me utterly.
1: Congratulations, Scotland, we have just gone so through everything. That just explains so much of my childhood to me. For
2: research purposes? It's super important.
0: I hear an awful lot of judgment in your voice. Hello everybody and welcome to the Red Cart Edition. Red Cart? Red Cart? (laughs) Are we playing
2: football? Is
1: that the cart we keep the avocados in? (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, it's being
2: snuck. Across the border?
0: (laughs) Across the border into Canada and Saskatchewan as we speak.
2: You're really hung up on Saskatchewan today for no reason <laughs> that I
0: can see. Saskatchewan is where the plains are. The plains are where one goes to the prairie cure for consumption. I have. Which read I books. have. Yeah, which you have. So you should clearly go and be a pirate on Saskatchewan. Boom. See, I got your moxie I got your avocados.
2: <laughs> but why a pirate?
0: Why not a pirate?
2: I don't have an answer to that question.
0: Have you heard the, the song about the pirates on the plains of Saskatchewan?
2: Are you going to sing it for me?
0: <laughs> I don't I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's a song that exists. Have, have you ever listened to Moxie Fruvis? What the fuck kind of Canadian are you?
2: The Russian guy. Isn't
1: that oh. the band that What's-His-Face, the pervert, was in? I
0: don't think so.
1: This is
2: not what we the episode is supposed so to be. <laughs> like,
1: it usually takes us a good 20 minutes to get this off-tangent.
2: I think it took us two seconds. I
1: don't know Anyway, happened. it is the red carpet edition.
0: It is episode 53 of Anglophies, and we're here to talk about the awards season in movies. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and Alina is a fake Canadian. Hmm. So, um, at the point we are recording this, the Golden Globes have happened, the Screen Actors Guild Awards have happened, the Grammys have happened. They're kind of tangentially related, I guess.
2: The, um, has happened.
0: the Baftas happened. The has happened, and the Oscars are in a week and a day at the time of recording. So we are going to talk about how the award season has gone so far. Kind of predictably And also a little bit not I think And kind of how we think Oscar night is going to go And exactly how many tables We're going to flip If Lin-Manuel Miranda Loses out to La La Land And is denied his peagot All the tables All of them I'm going to come over to your house Everybody And flip a table in your house All of them
1: If only Lin-Manuel Miranda Had talked about jazz a little more Mm. Did you know that Damien Chazelle likes jazz?
0: No, that was very, very a very you know deeply
1: hidden theme in La La Land. Because he really likes jazz. He doesn't talk about it much, but he likes jazz. Okay. Uh, well, we'll talk about that later. Uh, yeah. I think so. We're going to go by category. We're going to start with a big one. Let's read our nomina- Read the nominations for this year's Oscars, and get into spirited debates about who should win and who should not win, and why there are so many awful, awful people. Continuing to be rewarded by this system, and also pretty dresses,
0: and also pretty dresses and pretty people.
1: Damn, Dev Patel.
2: Damn. <laughs> when
0: Good the fuck job. did that happen? When did that happen?
2: Never long-bottomed but, hard, as we would say.
0: I, you know, he was always kind. Of, he, he was always cute. He was adorable. But he now was he's like. Cute, gosh, but I, now
1: he's just like he's Vogue model. It's it's. I welcome it. I yeah, am encouraged yeah. by it. You know but I, I I was unprepared
0: yeah it is a Neville long bottoming but it isn't quite on the level of
2: actual Matthew Lewis
0: actual Matthew Lewis. <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't done
1: a sh- he hasn't done a shirtless shoot yet
0: so uh, yeah give him time although have you seen lion
1: no I haven't seen that one yet oh Oof. Oof. anyway <laughs> I feel
0: dirty and old <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll get back to Dev Patel in one of the categories, but I think we'll start with Best Picture. Oh, there best are picture. nine nominees this year out of possible ten due to the way that the voting system goes. It's a preferential system. You vote, you know, you give one point, you know, one vote to one person, number two to each category. You can vote as many or as little as you want, but you have to get a certain percentage to get a nomination instead of just having the whole category filled. So, eight or nine seems to be the number they've kind of settled on through this process. Basically, they're the films that had the most enthusiasm behind them. Mm -hmm. that can mean that you know enough people put it as their third or fourth favorite film of the year and that's how it got in or it can mean that you know a really small but very enthusiastic amount of people put it as their first so i think you'll see that reflected in these nine so the nominees are arrival fences (laughs) (laughs) Uh, fences hacksaw ridge (laughs) hell or high water hidden figures la la land lion manchester by the sea and Moonlight. I have seen four of these films.
0: I've seen one, two, three, four, five. I've seen five.
2: You'll notice my silence at that. Yep.
1: <laughs> we didn't want to comment on it. We thought we'd leave you hanging there. Yeah, My Favourite's Arrival. I think it's stupendous. It is so deceptively simple in the way that it takes on a really, really tricky source materials based on a short story called Story of Your Life by Ted Chang. it's just really cerebral but empathetic, it's minimalist but it's not pretentious about it and it's a story that basically says hey, people are good inherently right, right Um, believe what you want right now, but I I love it Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think it's going to win I think unfortunately La La Land's going to
2: sweep
0: Well
1: we'll see I I
0: don't think that's a total given
2: Moonlight was kind of my understanding is a surprise winner at the Golden Globes. I'm not saying that's a predictor, but did that give it enough buzz to say like it could quote unquote steal it again?
1: Maybe it depends how much the momentum from La La Land has died down. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's died down that much, particularly coming off of the BAFTA win where it won Best Picture and won in a bunch of other categories. Mm-hmm. The, the big difference here as well is money. Moonlight has made fifteen, sixteen million dollars, which is incredible given that his budget was about a million. You know, this is a tiny, tiny movie. Yeah, it was really basically made
0: for a change that you found in your couch.
1: Yes, uh, La, La Land wasn't a huge budget either. It was real. It was mid budget, but it has grossed over a hundred million dollars. It is exactly the kind of film that Hollywood likes because it's about movies it's and about magic how awesome Hollywood is. Movies, basically. I have a lot of problems with that movie. I hate the ending. <laughs> I hate the ending so much. But I also think right now there's going to be a choice. Do you want the big, beautiful escapist fantasy about how wonderful Hollywood is, or do you want the drama that tackles issues that most films in Hollywood do not tackle and is a sign of the kind of progressive change that you're supposed to be reflecting in your awards? If that is the case, Moonlight might snatch it, but I don't think A24, their distributor, had have the money to run the campaign that they would need to. So unless there is a certain level of passion, and there may, may very well be, because remember, um, Moonlight's uh, producer, one of their producers is Brad Pitt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or executive producers, I should say. He got the Oscar for 12 Years a Slave when everyone thought that Gravity was going to win it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's quite the same level of, um, of buzz there, but... Brad
0: Pitt's a little bit distracted right now
1: Yeah, but he's still well liked And yeah. he's still got power as a producer I I just think that La La Land's going to get it Because I think that Given how many nominations it's got It's got the most nominations for a film ever Tied with All About Eve, for God's sake mm-hmm. And I think that They're going to want to keep that narrative going Regardless of whether the film deserves it The film that wins Best Picture seldom deserves it So, you know
0: Right However, here's an advantage that Moonlight has that La La Land doesn't, is it came out in October. And I, Kaylee, I already hear you going, okay, but... However, the past three Best Picture nominees came out in October, or the three Best Picture winners came out in October. 12 Years a Slave did, Birdman did, and so did Spotlight. So, there, it is a fairly meaningless trend, but it's a trend, and it's a thing that's happening, and Moonlight is the only one that falls into that particular slot.
1: I hear that, but I also <laughs> think it's worth noting the Oscars generally like it when you make shit tons of money. Yeah. La La Land has made close to $300 million worldwide for yeah. some reason.
2: And another trend I'm trying to trace is uh, I opened the page for best uh, picture winners and trying to see how long it's been since uh, musical one. Would you compare La La Land um, to the artist?
0: Oh, I would, but not in a musical sense, in a here's Hollywood licking
1: its own ass sense.
2: The artist, by the way, was 2011 for our listeners.
1: Like, I think the artist has almost gotten this. this, like, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily deserved Best Picture, but it's an incredibly enjoyable film that's really pitch perfect at what it does. And I would argue is better at what it does than La La Land is. La La Land is supposed to be this great meta musical and there are some beautiful moments in it. The songs are okay. The problem is it is so muddled in its style. Like there's huge moments that are clearly odes to the umbrellas of Cherbourg, but then there's moments that are like singing in the rain, but then there's moments that are like A Star is Born. It is this weird jumbled mishmash of all of these you know styles of musical but doesn't understand why those don't necessarily work well together Mm -hmm. but it looks really pretty not best cinematography but it's going to win that but that's that is a big thing that will define it there hasn't been an original musical that's won best picture since i believe Gigi, which is the 50s uh a musical hasn't won best picture since chicago yep so I think it's certainly. It's, I mean, the thing to remember as well when Chicago won it and the artists won it, were so pressing in terms of not just voters but the public, and mm-hmm. the Oscars have been accused of being really out of touch with the, what the public enjoys and are always trying to rectify that. And I think that might tip it in favour of La La Land. Even though, if they really, really wanted to do that, the film that they'd give it to would be Hidden Figures, mm-hmm. which has made more money than La La Land in America, at least. It is the kind of film that they usually reward is a very good example of that kind of I I don't want to call it prestige here because I think that diminishes what it's doing but it's like an old school crowd pleaser made about a subject and people that don't tend to get crowd pleasing films made about them
2: Yep. Well let me ask you kind of a heavy question but do we think the current political climate is likely to sway the vote one way or another like either to La La Land to be a bland and an offensive kind of thing, or towards fences or hidden figures or moonlight as a political statement?
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's possible. Whichever way it goes, there will definitely be 5,001 think pieces by Monday morning. Saying that that is exactly what happened.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that um, e- or so this year. because I think Kaylee should write one and get paid for it. <laughs> I will see. I will get my pitch ready. I've already got to write something about Wolverine this weekend. though. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm writing for Screen Rant, guys. You should go click on my articles. I get more money that way.
0: <laughs> it's true. I click on all of her articles. I don't read them. No, I do read them all. <laughs> <laughs> but I click on them multiple times from different computers. Thank you. You're Thank welcome.
1: You. I'm here to... Um,
2: <laughs> Speaking of Wolverine, Logan's getting apparently good reviews. We'll
1: yeah, see. my... my, my um, film critic friend who hates superhero movies Really really enjoyed it He says um, it's going to be up there with like Dark Knight In terms of the way we talk about superhero films So that's, that's all a right. good sign all right. But yeah maybe I, um, maybe was, That was actually a thing to, um, in terms of The weeks leading up to the Oscar nominations There was a huge amount of buzz That Deadpool was going to get a picture nomination
0: I mean it was definitely A dark horse but it
1: had What a writers guild and a producers guild Nomination. Which, in and of itself, I mean, that was enthusiasm from those wings of the industry. I thought it was going to get at least screenplay. It didn't. It didn't mm-hmm. get anything. I think maybe there just was too much snobbery. Remember, the average Oscar voter is still a 69 year old white dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thinks that Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is just a little too radical for his taste. So, <laughs> these are always things to keep in mind. Which is one of the reasons I thought Hidden Figures, as Linda Holmes pointed out in NPR, would probably be a surprise spoiler. I don't know if the buzz is there. But I, I would have liked to have seen it you know, more represented in some other categories.
2: Oh, well, before we move off Deadpool, I was just going to say, I was going to ask you guys if you, would you have filled in that 10th slot with anything? Because I think I would have filled it in with Deadpool. That empty 10th Best Picture nom.
1: It's tricky to say. I mean, there are films that I love. I don't know if they would have been able to get the push to get into that category. But I look at, I'm looking at other nominees in other categories and thinking what would have filled that 10th spot? And I don't know. Maybe Loving? Hmm. But that, the, the the buzz for that had really muted since
0: it, it. was. <clears throat> I mean, we we can get into loving more when we get into best actress, but it's such a quiet little movie that it just doesn't have. I mean, you know, like Fences is a quiet little movie, and yet is just more than loving is, which works for the movie itself. Richard and Mildred Loving were quiet people Who did not want to change the world They just wanted to, you know Be married to each other And have a life where people left them alone I, I don't know There was something about Sort of the construction of it That made me kind of go hmm.
1: I think if that film had had a few more Barnstorming court scenes With yeah, those violins It probably would have got nominated Yeah I know what I would have nominated. I would have nominated Jackie because Jackie is such a bizarre film. I think it's been kind of written off as, oh, it's just Natalie Portman trying to get an Oscar, and it probably is in that aspect. And she's very good and more better than people are giving her credit. But that film is bizarre. Uh-huh. It is really nightmare-like in tone. It is surprisingly brutal in places. Like you actually see the uh, the the side of skull fire off when he gets shot. It's was the the, the film is about the the week following the JFK assassination from the point of view of Jackie Kennedy, mm-hmm. but it is just far too idiosyncratic and unconventional in its structure and style to be written off as conventional Oscar bait, and I think that put people off because the film itself is really quite staggeringly odd, mm-hmm. and I really loved it for that, but I think a lot of people just saw it as oh well Natalie Portman's putting on the you know the really affected New England accent to play Jackie. And I did have to explain to my sister, no, no that's, that's what she sounded that's like. That's
0: really what she sounded like, yeah.
1: We were drinking a lot of Prosecco in that screening. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very, it was a fun night. Um, I, it was a great time. I, I, I really loved that film. I, I understand why it didn't get that kind of buzz, but I, I would have given it that nomination. Um, I think that's just one of those cases where the Oscars are willing to go strange in certain categories. Like screenplay, there's always a little more wriggle room for originality as we'll see when we get there uh but because everyone votes on the best picture nominee
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, everything else actors vote for the actors writers vote for the screenplays and stuff But because everyone votes for the picture i think it's just a case of what appeals to the most people
2: yeah
1: and in that case you know i think that's how lion gets in i think harvey weinstein pushed it hard enough that that's how it got in okay
0: but lion is so far my favorite movie of the year
1: I'm not criticising Lion because I have to say, <laughs> Um like, I think Lion's reviews were better than most people were thinking it would be. I think it was a much less conventional movie than people were expecting. Yeah. It's also I mean, so you're, that... and you're like,
0: a dude uses Google Earth to find his family. Okay. Like, how do you make that interesting? And that's something that modern movies have struggled with. When all of this action happens on computers and you're like, okay, maybe if I just put dramatic music. And no, that doesn't work for <laughs> Dragon Tattoo.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what the hell is Hello High Water? I know I'm out of touch with movies. Okay. This oh, year, I love but- it!
0: Okay. Hello High Water is great! It out last weekend and it, it's the, the movie that came out earlier in the year that sneaks in because nobody could stop talking about it, like um, yeah. The Best Marigold, no
1: What was the, the one uh, I think Whiplash is kind of like that
0: Whiplash is like that, but the crazy ass movie with the hotel and Ray Fiennes and it was pink they came out in February. The Best Exotic
1: Marigold. I love that movie.
0: Not that one.
1: Um, oh, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Sorry, yeah. I know that you're talking about. I keep forgetting those titles. It's so confusing. Exactly. I, exactly. <laughs> I think it's important to note with Hell or High Water, that film also made bank for a, such did. a small budget.
0: It did. I didn't originally want to see it because the previews, I was like, oh my God, dude.
1: Um, yeah, and I mean, I saw that trailer and thought my dad would really like that movie. Dude, movie,
2: but it's a modern Western. Why is Ben Foster a thing? He's a flash forward kid. He's a flash forward kid. How is he a thing in movies?
1: Oh, he's like a proper method actor now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But Hell or High Water was one of the most tightly constructed yeah. movies I've ever seen. Right? It's super, super. It's basically acts two and three of the movie and saying you don't need act 1 we'll we'll put all that information and we'll scatter it in it's just act 2 and 3 it is super tight and super well constructed it's not for everybody but if you like westerns i think you're going to like this movie
1: but even if you don't like westerns i think there's a lot to you know it's a really smart film that is aware of its genre but it's also also willing to yeah to interrogate it from that kind of modern point of view. The film is set in Texas and there are so many scenes of them driving from dried up town to dried up town, full of foreclosure notices, full of these people who are clearly out of work, who are really struggling. And the whole film, it, you know, the, the recession, is this huge backdrop to this movie of these guys who are just trying to, who are doing this terrible thing for, a you know, a good reason. And also shows you... What it's like when you try to do this terrible thing in a state with open carry laws yeah <laughs> i think yeah, there's a like, lot to say about gun violence in that movie a lot that is really prescient also so the film nice. is directed by a scottish guy so yay <laughs> yay scotland he's uh, apparently up to direct a new scarface film so like i ain't mad okay, okay. also chris pine is now the best chris although i was seeing yeah, that until chris a... evans started picking fights with nazis on twitter so he's still best but chris pine is now second best chris, yeah chris pine is, has moved
0: way up on the chris list He's so criticism.
1: good in that movie. So good.
2: Well, I mean, also *Wrinkle in Time*, and also he makes one hell of a *Silver Fox*. Does he? Doesn't eat
1: you? Oh. <laughs> I'm so in favor of that.
0: He does. So, yes, uh, *Hell or High Water* was is something that I'm, you know, very pleasantly, happily surprised to see on the. I mean, it's not going to win. It, no. but it is a
1: well put together movie. It's the kind of film that you know they say you don't make anymore, like oh hollywood doesn't make these kind of films anymore uh, and i'm really glad that they still do stuff like this mm-hmm. and it l- looks gorgeous as well that film is just shot impeccably so yeah i would i would recommend you see it alina it's definitely the kind of film where like i am very excited to show it to my dad because it's mm-hmm. a very dad movie it's a very hmm. granddad movie so I think my granddad would really like that but yeah I, it's so much better than you think it's going to be and there, I, I am very happy that it got nominated i wish arrival was getting more buzz but I don't think it will. Manchester by the Sea. I don't think it's going to win here. I think it's probably going to win in other categories. Fences. It's it's um, Scott Rudin's only big film this year, but I think he's putting all of his money into getting those acting wins, mm-hmm. which is you know, which, which is, is fine. A worthy, worthy prospect, particularly yeah. this year. Um, yeah, there yeah.
0: there were some. I think there were some flaws in Fences, part of which were because. This is Denzel's first directing for it. No, a...
2: he's,
1: di- he's not directed. He's directed before. Is he? Yeah, he's directed a couple times, but I mean, not for a while. But this is um. Th- this was the passion project because him and Viola Davis did this show with that cast. was yeah. with Scott written producing on Broadway, and it was a massive hit and a wonderful production, I hear. But I didn't see it.
0: Okay, sorry, but there there were just a few, a few things that like weird camera movements that i found really distracting in fences but the acting is impeccable and sometimes filming a play doesn't always work as well as you think it will
1: sometimes you know what i mean it can be very stagey
0: yeah, and it, it's hard to sort of break out of the the staginess, and they do it sometimes successfully, and other times not so well. So, will win probably La La Land. Maybe. Yeah, I think La La Land's gonna win. Well,
2: what I want to do is a quick wrap up to this category. Is we will, we, I think we all agree that La La Land has the biggest buzz. Which non La La Land win would surprise you least?
1: Moonlight. Probably Moonlight, because it really does feel like a two-film race right now. It's just a case of who's going to get those votes. I think La La Land's got it in the bag. But if Moonlight does win, I would be pleasantly surprised, but not that shocked.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, the least surprising would be something would be a movie that all, that's already won another one of these in this season.
1: Like last year, when Spotlight won, was kind of a surprise, because everyone thought The Revenant had it in the bag. But that really mm-hmm. felt like... Um, I think Scott Tobias the critic said it best says, I'm so glad anything but the Revenant one. You should all go see anything but the Revenant yeah, right. <laughs> That was just a case of a film that's like I technically admire this movie But Christ I don't want to have to watch it again mm-hmm. And they should have given it to Mad Max Fury Road But they didn't So yeah. <laughs> right, this was the second best option And I really like Spotlight I think Spotlight is just very I think wonderful. everybody should watch
0: Spotlight again Especially
1: yeah. the news media yeah. Yes, Remember what their job is So I think that's the case, but I think that there is more genuine, like, I think people enjoy watching La La Land, and ultimately it may just come down to that, it may not even come down to us the best, it's just, what did I enjoy watching the most? Mm
2: -hmm. Right. And we, as we were just talking about Denzel Washington, I think this is a smooth transition to Best Director, which he's not nominated for, but Mel fucking Gibson is, so ask me how I feel about that.
1: How do you hey, fight? remember when we punished people for being dicks? No, I'm just kidding. Hollywood's never done that.
0: Yeah, we don't do that. We don't do that. Don't okay. be with
1: us. He wants to read, director?
0: Um, <clears throat> how how, how oh, are good. we pronouncing? You do it. You do it. Oh, you, is, you, that you, that why, is that why you paused? <laughs> That's why <laughs> I'm pausing because I know how to do it in French French.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Denis Villeneuve, Arrival. <clears throat> Mel fucking Gibson, Hacks of Ridge. Mm. Damien Chazelle, La La Land. Kenneth Lodogan, Manchester by the Sea, and Barry Jenkins, Moonlight.
1: Yay! Hooray uh, to Barry Jenkins for being, I believe, only the fourth um, black director in history to get nominated for Best Director. Yep. Congratulations to Mel Gibson for being the countless number of worthless douchebags to get this nomination. Mm hmm. Okay, here's the thing Mel Gibson is not going to win. The nomination is the win for him because it's part of this this false redemption tour that he's gotten like he's really learned his mistakes and made this wonderful movie and like wait did I miss the part where he had the real apology for being an anti-semitic misogynist yeah. abuser? Interestingly person? when the
0: previews for Hacksaw Ridge started it just it did not name Mel Gibson at all it was just like the director of Braveheart and also the producers of these this other film and I was like hold up wait a second <laughs> I know who that is are you fucking
1: kidding me now, right now? <laughs> You know, I will say I wasn't shocked that he got nominated. I was, I was a little surprised just because he didn't get the DGA nomination, the Directors Guild of America. Uh, Garth Davis got it for Lion, mm-hmm. and I thought maybe Harvey Weinstein's, you know, magic will work there, and they do love the the whole idea of the the ingenue, you know, yeah. like the the young scrappy upstart getting it in. And if he had got nominated, it would have been the first time that all of those nominations were first timers. Mm-hmm. But no, Gibson had to bloody step in it which sucks yeah I don't think he's going to win I think uh, uh, Jazzman's going to win yep I think you're right
2: if we think that La La Land takes Beck's picture just because it's a shoe in could Barry Jenkins pe- pick it up as their no 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 we are aware of Moonlight and understand no. that people think so. you don't think so?
1: no I think he's going to win in the screenplay category which we'll get to later uh, oh. because he doesn't have to go up against La La, La Land <laughs> and usually in those sort of cases it happens the other way around you know, Steve McQueen doesn't get Best Director, but Twelve Years a Slave gets Best Picture,
2: right? Okay,
1: because you know he's black.
2: <laughs> what? He's
1: black. What?
0: Shit! Somebody should have told me. I'm like to get letters about that. We're not. Do you yeah.
1: think he has to sit next to Mel Gibson at any point during these shows? And it's like, it's okay, man. I'm not Jewish. <laughs> you don't have to worry about me. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. I think I think it's gonna be Chazelle... Once again, they love this idea of like the scrappy underdog, even though Barry Jenkins fits that that idea way more than Damien Chazelle. Yeah. Who I believe is a Harvard educated director. So, you know. I would love to meet Damien Chazelle and tell my favourite jazz musician is Lisa Simpson. <laughs> yeah, I honestly I I've out of those five, like, I haven't seen Moonlight, so I cannot say that he gets on there. I would love to just see it historically, I think, and given critically the acclaim for Moonlight, I think he deserves that. But Denis Villeneuve, I loved Arrival, you guys. It's so damn good.
2: Mm-hmm. Like these
1: are the only reason I am excited for this um, Blade Runner sequel.
2: Mm-hmm. And now
1: he's doing June as well,
2: which is yeah.
1: interesting. Yeah, I mean, and also you know, no women nominees because it's twenty seventeen. What are we expecting?
0: <laughs> women don't direct movies, Kaylee.
1: Well, they don't get to direct Star Wars movies because they don't have the experience. Remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got a woman directing Mulan, though, because apparently they ran out of Asian people to ask. (laughs) For those of you who haven't seen it, uh, the the Disney live-action version of Mulan has hired Nikki Caro to be the director. She's the director of Whale Rider. She's a wonderful talent. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad she has an opportunity, but the way that it was written about in The Hollywood Reporter was like, well, we looked at some Asian directors, but we couldn't find anyone suitable, so we just asked this white woman, which is, like, the Asian... like We asked Ang Lee, and he wasn't available, I feel, as the... Asian director excuse that, well, we asked Catherine Bigelow and she wasn't available, is for women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just, it would have been nice for them to, like, I don't know, Google Asian directors. Because China's <laughs> got its own cinema, you guys. Like, they make their own movies.
2: Maybe we should have Chow asked uh, Justin Lin and he could have done for horses what he did for cars.
1: That would have been <laughs> amazing. <base>. And
2: spaceships.
1: <laughs> I, I was rooting for Stephen Chow. Like, if you've ever seen Kung Fu Hustle or Shaolin Soccer, that would have been insane. They apparently asked Jiang Wen, who is in Rogue One. Uh-huh. Like, have you seen his movies? He's a good director, but, like, I don't think he's Disney- people. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was just a case of, well, we've got this guy in the country right now working once. Right. Let's ask him. So, yeah. So. Yeah, in terms of this nominee, I think Jazz Man's going to win. I think you're probably right. But go ahead and surprise me, Academy.
0: Go ahead. Yeah. Please do. Uh, let's move on to Best Actor. Okay, I'll do this. Because I can pronounce all these names. <laughs> <laughs> Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea. Pervert. <laughs> Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge. Ryan Gosling as the jazz dude. <laughs> Vigo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic. A.K.A. the movie that nobody really had heard of until award season started. And Denzel Washington for fences. Now I know the conventional wisdom is that Casey has this in the bag, and you definitely had the feeling that Brie Larson knew that was likely, just judging from her face when she read his name at the Globes. Bless her. And then when she read Denzel's Washington, Denzel's name at the SAGs, and she like her whole face lit up. Like I don't have to do this two more times? Maybe just once? Okay. <laughs> so, it's possible that Denzel could pull this off and I'd be fine with that.
1: I think he's going to win. I hope I hope you're right. So, here's my reasoning. Okay. First of all, people like Denzel more than they like Casey Affleck cuz Casey Affleck is a dickbag. Mm-hmm. and no amount of his brother and Matt Damon going around talking about how wonderful he is to pick him up and no amount of decent ER can make him seem like anything other than just a bit of an awkward douchebag doing a single white female rendition of his former brother-in-law mm-hmm. but he's not as talented as him second of all, um, Scott Rudin is the producer of Fences he is as aggressive as Weinstein but possibly even more successful in the current model uh, and Fences is his only big film this year in the race I think he's going to push everything behind that Three, the SAG win is a big indication that there is more love in the industry for Denzel. Four, Denzel has now started actively campaigning for the Oscar Mm -hmm. and doing an awesome job. Like, he is like, he's just sermonizing from the rooftops. It's wonderful to watch. Like, I could listen to that man, like, take an order in McDonald's and it would be riveting. And five, he was not nominated for director, Mm -hmm. but I think they love that actor director routine like Clint Eastwood kind of thing and I think that that, this would be a way to reward him and six I think that the sexual harassment lawsuits against Casey Affleck have now become impossible to ignore Mm -hmm. it's not quite at the level that Nate Parker was at mostly because Casey Affleck is not talking about it he's not trying to you know justify it on chat shows which means that his PR is better paid (laughs) but it is now given what's going on politically in the world given on you know, recently the Meryl Streep speech, I think is a good example of this as well. Mm -hmm. But I think even if they do it for the cold, heartless reason that they don't want to look like they're misogynistic douchebags, I think that this is, it will hang over them. And there's Mm -hmm. no amount of, but you must separate art from the artist in the world that can justify that. And the repercussions that it would carry, because it's not just about what he is alleged to have done, it's about what the power you would give him to continue doing that. If you mm-hmm. reward him, particularly since he's apparently about to direct another movie. So, I, I think these will play a part. And I just think it would be a better story for them to give it to Denzel. Because his speech would be better, and I think that that will be something they want to see. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think there's about 80% chance he's going to win it now. People are saying the BAFTA win for Casey Affleck is a sign that that tide has turned. I don't think so, because Denzel wasn't nominated in that category. Mm-hmm. If there's enough buzz as well for the other category, I think Fancies is going to win in. It might carry over. I hope it carries over. But I also wouldn't write out Jazzman winning for Jazzboy, because if it sweeps, it might just be a case of ticking the boxes. Mm. And then we can all pretend that he won it for the nice guys.
0: Right. Can Can we just take a minute to appreciate Ryan's acceptance speech at the Globes?
1: Oh, yeah. Aww. And...
0: How he specifically thanked his wife for his her emotional labor, so he could do his job, and acknowledge
2: that they're so in love. Yeah, so we, in love we really should.
1: They are the power couple we deserve. I feel. Mm. Yep.
2: So I do have a few thoughts of what gives the Denzelwyn kind of that that theory uh, credence, and one thing we don't talk about it so much in this category, but we often bring up you know the average age of. An Academy voter. Denzel is the oldest nominated actor in that category. They know Denzel.
1: Yeah, that is yeah.
2: true. Avigal Mortensen Mortensen's also in his, you know, in his fifties. But like Casey Affleck, Andrew Garfield, Rand Gosling, to them these are kids. And Denzel has been, you know, he's had his reputation for a long time. I mean, he's had, I think, seven. Wikipedia tells me nominations he got for Oscar. Like this is, he has the age, the gravitas, the recognized pedigree. Yeah, that makes. I think that is very true. The Academy voters is very comfortable voting for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, Vigo Mortensen's 58. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I really went off him when I found out he's a Jill Stein four. Ugh. <laughs> Only sexy as Aragorn.
0: <laughs> oh, Vigo.
1: Did anyone mm. see Captain Fantastic?
0: No! Mm. I had no idea that this movie was a thing until it started hesitantly
1: showing up on awards lists. This is an interesting year in that there's way less competition for the actors than there usually is. The actress category was way more busy. Mm -hmm. It's rare to see that because, you know, Hollywood is sexist. So I think that's one of the reasons that everyone has seen the Casey Affleck inevitable win as such a, you know, an easy ride. Because he didn't really have anyone else to go up against. Yeah. But I think that's come into play now with Denzel. And I hope that Casey Affleck and his manky fucking beard just fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. Like there was a moment, and I think it was this Golden Globe speech where he thanked his ex-wife, and it's like, "Keep her name out of your mouth, you fucker." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think I, I'm going to say Denzel's going to win, which may just be wishful thinking, but I think, I think the odds are in his favor.
2: I think. Not
1: win. Hang on a sec. There, knocked.
2: Didn't
1: go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, best actress, I'll do this one. Isabelle Huppert for Elle, Ruth Nega for Loving, Natalie Portman for Jackie. Emma Stone for La La Land, and Meryl Streep for a Contractual Obligation. <laughs> or, it's <laughs> Foster James. I
0: mean, look, like, she was really good in, as Flo but come on.
1: It's just such a, like, it's almost unfair to her, I think. Yeah. That mm-hmm. they just keep rewarding her regardless of how good or bad the performance is. Like, I was kind of mad that she won for the Iron Lady, not just because she was playing Margaret fucking Thatcher, but because it wasn't a good performance. It was like watching a drag queen pretend to be Meryl Streep, pretend to be Margaret Thatcher.
0: Yeah.
1: And I feel it's just ticking boxes now. And also she beat Viola, which is still a problem. I think, I mean, Emma Stone's won everything. Yeah. And honestly, for all my problems with La La Land, she is easily the best thing in it. Oh yeah, definitely. She's so vibrant and luminous and charming that she makes you forget that's a really badly written character. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't like jazz, but she's willing to learn because this man explains it to her so forcefully, you guys. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, there was like in terms of the people who didn't even get nominated, Amy Adams did not get nominated for a rival.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Annette Benning didn't get nominated for twentieth century women. Uh-huh. There's a lot who didn't get in here and Viola Davis didn't even bother campaigning as leading actress because she knew that she no, wasn't gonna win. Because she and her crew are not dumb. No, they know what they're doing. So the if anyone is gonna beat Emma Stone, I think it's gonna be Isabelle Huppert who is fighting hard for this nomination, you guys, and this win. She's doing the American chat shows. She's vaguely tolerating Americans. <laughs> she, close to it. She has an Instagram page now, which is amazing. Oh my god! I don't think like it's a primarily it's an American voter base mostly. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're going to look at her decades of stage and screen work in France and think you know it's time we rewarded the woman who's considered the Meryl Streep of France. Yeah. And they also tend to have a bit of a block for foreign language nominations. Yeah. In, in acting, at least. Uh, Marion Cotillard was the last person to win, I believe. Jean Desjardins doesn't count because it was... It was know, a silent count. role! It was a silent yeah. movie! <laughs> so, for that, I I mean, if there is enough of a push, but it depends if La La Land sweeps, I think for now it is set for Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. I think it would be really cool to see Isabelle Pupère win. Because I just, I love the idea. I don't think she would give that much of a fuck. I think she would just pick up her award, go get her drink, and then leave. Mm Mm-hmm. Which would be awesome.
2: Do you think Natalie Portman has a chance?
1: No. Which is a shame, because she's so much better in that movie than she's getting credit for. Like, she has to play this woman who is completely falling apart. She has blood splattered all over her face. She's walking through, you know, her her husband's death, like, some sort of nightmare. And then she has to immediately pick herself up and try and, you know, really cold-mindedly secure his legacy. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's really a story of a woman as, like, as, a, as a widow, as a, you know, a grieving mu- um, wife, as a mother, and also as a strategist, as a political figure. And I thought it was really well done on that aspect. And I, you know, like I said, I, I think that movie is much better than it's getting credit for. It's much weirder as well. But I think too many people will see it as like, as Oscar bait, because she has to put on this really affected accent, which is how Jackie Kennedy talked you know, there's scenes in the movie where she recreates the um, the famous tour of the White House after she renovated it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's putting on this really rehearsed kind of voice and these really simple answers. And she sounds so much like Jackie Kennedy. She doesn't look like her, but she sounds like her. So I, I would like to have seen that get credit. But I think it's also a case of the bigger performance winning. Like, they like to see the, the work. Mm-hmm. And Emma Stone's doing the work She's emoting, she's singing, she's dancing She's, you know Really making that movie work Better than it deserves And remember, the person who was originally supposed to play that role Was Emma Watson Ugh. And Ryan Gosling's role was supposed to be played By Miles Teller Sure I feel like more people would be willing to admit That my, that the jazz man is a total douchebag If he was played by Miles Terror. <laughs> Probably. Miles Taylor, not Miles Taylor, he kind of. Is. <laughs> if you haven't read the Esquire profile of Miles Taylor, where he comes across as the least self-aware douchebag of all time, read it. it, it it's something else. It's like a train wreck. But no, I think um, yeah, Emma's gonna win.
0: Yeah, would I like to see Ruth win? yes am i thrilled that ruth nega is getting the work and recognition that she deserves after being criminally underserved on agents of shield yes she's on preacher too she is on preacher and she's boyfriend dominic cooper by all accounts killing it
2: see her and her boyfriend play a married couple in warcraft
0: (laughs) sure or not. You remain the
1: only person in this entire show that will ever see that movie <laughs> <laughs> Yep We're just going to take your word for it
0: So, I mean, I think her her nomination is kind of like the Keisha Castle-Hughes nomination Like, just be happy you're there
1: No, I think this is like, it's a good thing for her career And it is a case of the nomination is the win So I hope that that will lead to good things for her in the future and she's, I like that her and Dominic Cooper have been together For six years and are really attractive together
0: And she's She is great in loving Incredibly Incredibly good But it's such a like With Emma Stone you see her emoting All over the place and well Ruth Nega is just sort of existing And just existing in the skin Of this character So it's it's two very different Acting styles and we know which one Tends to get rewarded more
1: which is also another thing that I think will benefit Denzel Washington with fences. hmm Like I know we're saying it is almost like a bad thing, but there's something to be said about a really well executed barn star Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. It's just yeah. it's a
0: it's a different way of of doing the job. And I think I think Ruth can also do the major emoting, but that is not what would have served this character.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm glad she's doing well, Phil, because she's wonderful. And I also like it when she talks and everyone suddenly remembers that she's Irish. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she is wonderful. And we love her.
0: Yay, Ruth. We're very happy for you.
2: So Best Supporting Actor is uh, Mahershala Ali in Moonlight, Jeff Bridges in Hello High Water, Lucas Hedges in Manchester by the Sea, Def Patel in Lion, and Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals. Okay, I have a question for Raiden first. Yeah. How is Dev Patel the best supporting actor for a movie in which his character is the headlining character?
0: He is only in the movie for the last half.
2: Ah.
1: Also, it's a a little bit of category fraud. Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go out on a limb. I think Dev Patel's going to win. I don't know.
2: Mahershala Ali is having a very good year.
0: He is having a very good year. And I I am hoping that he... I mean, like, he has been in a lot of the really great things this year. He is in both Moonlight and Hidden Figures. He's so
1: charming in Hidden Figures. He's
0: so charming in Hidden Figures.
1: (laughs) Oh, and he proposes Taraji. It's so wonderful.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he's also in Luke Cage. He was in House of Cards. He was in The Hunger Games. So he's he's been killing it for a couple of years in a lot of the the big major cultural touchstones. So yeah, he's had a, a good year and also he's super hot. Oh yeah. <laughs> Isn't he
1: he's just so good looking. He's just <laughs> um... hot. I do think he has enough of the narrative. Like you said, he's had such a good year where he's been so ever-present. Mm-hmm. I mean, if all he did this year, or well, last year, was Moonlight and Luke Cage, that would have been enough. But then you see something like Hidden Figures as well, where he is ever-present, and House of Cards. So well, I keep forgetting he's in that, just because I haven't watched it in a long time. The reason I'm predicting Dev Patel
2: mm-hmm.
1: is I think this is where Harvey Weinstein will get... Where his money will work out. Because Dev Patel, on top of being super attractive, has really worked the award circuit this year. Yep. He is certainly the most prescient in terms of how visible the film has been during the Oscar campaign, except for Nicole Kidman, but I don't think she's going to win. No. He's been super charming in interviews. He's also been talking very openly about how hard it is to find work as an Asian actor of Indian mm-hmm. descent. And wanting to avoid being stereotyped, and waiting for the right rules to come along, mm-hmm. and I think and, that that and apologizing sense. for the
0: last Airbender, yes, <laughs> <laughs> and he shows up with Sonny Powar, who plays Tiny. That Cerf, as well, I think which that will also has just more. sort of caused multiple hearts and ovaries to implode.
1: Did you see the pictures of Viola Davis meeting Sunny Pawar? Oh, my God. <laughs> she can't hold it in. It's so wonderful. So I think that will pay off. And that would be wonderful because I think he would be the first Indian actor since, I want to say, Ben Kingsley? Yep. To win. Like, there, very few Indian actors get nominated, let alone win. It's really... Asian actor, the entire continent of Asia, you yep. know, for all of its diasporas, does not get acting nominations at all because the roles aren't given to them because racism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... I would like, to, I, I think that would be wonderful to see that. It would be wonderful to see Dev Patel in a tux being really charming and <laughs> winning his award. And there, I wouldn't say there's anyone in this category that I would be mad at winning. I haven't seen Manchester by the Sea, so I don't care. Jeff Bridges is really, really good in a role that he usually would just sleepwalk through. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a scene, and I think you know that I'm talking about Alina. Uh, not Alina, I'm Radin, where...
2: <laughs> Definitely not so, me. Like,
1: no, Alina doesn't know. <laughs> there's a particular scene towards the end where something happens to one of his friends. Mm-hmm. And you, there's, like, a ten-second moment on his face where he has to process everything that's happened. Yeah. That is so damn good. Yeah. Um, he's just doing a lot of work with a role that he, that he has done many times before. Yeah, so, I mean, I... I, I...
0: I hope he doesn't because one the the Twitter freak out would would be really ugly.
1: Yeah. And he he's already got one. Well, that's he's why good. I don't think he, he's you know, fine. He's he, he's he's won before. Yeah. He didn't win for the film he was supposed to win for, which was True Grit, but he has won before. Like I don't think Michael Shannon's going to win either, but I think he is easily the best thing about Nocturnal Animals, which is a, it's, it's I, I wish that film was weirder to be honest. <laughs> it's just Tom Ford has clearly been told you're kind of more of a style over substance man, and this is his way of disproving it. When really, it just kind of reinforces it. Yeah, right. But Michael Shannon is gloriously weird in that movie because <laughs> he's Michael Shannon. But he's just he's playing this um, sort of like shit-kicking, stubborn sheriff in Texas who's out to get these guys that uh, raped and killed these two women. And he's just he's this guy is like, well, I've got nothing left to lose. And he's just very off kilter in a way that is fascinating to watch. But and also, with Michael Shannon, kind of
0: also, your typical Michael Shannon character.
1: It's it's full Michael Shannoning, you know. Mm-hmm. But like with Michael Shannon, there's always a chance that he's going to like turn up at the Oscars wearing a Hawaiian shirt and sunglasses. One
0: can which only hope. Very
1: much in favor of. But in terms of like everyone's sort of favorite actor who looks like he could kill, he's probably one of my favorites. Mm. Some tough competition in that field. Right.
2: This is the first category where nocturnal animals come up. Does that surprise you?
1: No. <gasps> A little bit because Tom Ford campaigned really hard, and it got so many BAFTA nominations—way more than it deserved. It was quite funny because um, Tom Ford got in trouble. He uh, gave out uh, unsolicited gifts to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association voters of his fragrance, <laughs> and they had to give it back because that was technically breaking the rules. But it must have paid off because Aaron Taylor-Johnson won in his category. Wait, the the Golden Globes has rules. Yeah, I mean, you're not supposed to bribe people. You're not supposed to get caught bribing people. That's it. Okay, yeah. So, I was surprised that Shannon got the nomination over Aaron Taylor Johnson, who seemed to be getting more of a buzz. But I, I feel like people can tolerate being around Michael Shannon more than they can Ar- Aaron Taylor Johnson. Probably. So, Probably. Yeah, I, I think this is. Um, I'm, I'm going to say Death Patel. All
0: right. I'll be okay with that.
2: I, I still think Mahershala Ali, but we'll see. <laughs>
1: I'd be okay with name, that too. So. I mean, he has his, his full name is Mehershalal Hashbaz Ali, mm-hmm. which is That's awesome. Yep, <laughs> I would really yeah, like to see his his
0: SAG acceptance speech was so sweet. Yes, and so kind of pointed. Like the the SAGs were pointedly political. Like it started with Ashton Kutcher basically saying "fuck Donald Trump," and. I mean, he didn't say actually that, but it was pretty much, that was the subtext. Um, when did Aston Kutcher get woke? I don't think he's woke, he's just sort of awake. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's, he scale a woke, I love that.
2: He, he apparently is the CEO and founder of a business that builds technology to help children caught in sex trafficking, and he was testifying in front of Congress.
1: Yeah, I saw
2: that. And he was like, people tell actors to sit to their day job. This is my day job. And I was like, oh, my God, Ashley. Kut- also, when is he 39?
0: Yeah, well, that on that that's his birthday.
2: Because he was a <laughs> little <laughs> <laughs> freak out I had, like, yesterday I was like, oh, my God, Ashley, Kutcher's so old. Also, apparently doing really great things, but so old.
1: <laughs> I mean, good for him. Good for him. Sorry, going back to Michael Shannon, can I mention uh, one of the reasons I also don't think he's going to win is because I think that his comments about Trump voters were just so hilarious that people were a little put off by them. Mm. He gave an interview and the guy interviewing him said that he was a little worried about going home to visit his parents for Thanksgiving because they voted Trump in and Michael Shannon said, fuck them, you're an orphan now. Oh. <laughs> he said it's time for the urn. Yep. I was the best, I love him. No, I think it's going to be death Tell, but I think Mahershala Ali... Would be the worthy winner And I think would give an amazing speech
0: mm-hmm.
1: And just in terms of his, like, Actually both of them just in terms of them winning Would be in and of itself a huge Fuck to Trump's America Or to yeah. Trump's administration yeah. So no no beef there um, no. Both of them are Aesthetically pleasing enough to You know <laughs> satisfy, <sorry. laughs> That's the important
0: part of our criteria and That's all that really matters <laughs> isn't it Yeah definitely
1: yeah Braden, best supporting actress all
0: right there's Viola Davis in Fences and some other people <laughs> yeah I think we can just skip over this <laughs> it's <laughs> Naomi sick. Harris for Moonlight Nicole Kidman for Lion Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures and Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea so it's Viola and some other people I mean look yeah, by all like again, I have not seen Moonlight, but by all accounts, Naomi Harris killed it. And Nicole Kidman was great, but she's also not, she's not campaigning because she has one, she's fine.
1: <laughs> I think she's campaigning, but I think it's more a case of like kind of the new age of Nicole Kidman as an actress. You know, she kind of went away for a while um she's had her kids she's you know calmed down after the whole tom cruise thing and now she's doing much more of that kind of small auteur kind of work like she's about to be in sophia coppola's new movie the beguiled mm-hmm. which looks awesome oh my god i need a t-shirt that says vengeful bitches on it
0: yeah i mean i think she's she's more or less campaigning in support of dev yeah and i think that's what it is for herself which you know good for you okay so yeah, uh, I
1: think that's um, pretty fair
0: to say. Also,
1: Octavia, shout out to sorry, shout out to Naomi Harris who filmed her entire Moonlight part in three days. Nice.
0: Octavia Spencer was great in Hidden Figures. I I think the real breakout role in that movie was Janelle Monae. Yeah, who I agree. is like, I'll be, I think I'll be an actress now. Oh, the first two major movies I'm in are
1: both Oscar contenders.
2: What, like it's hard?
0: What, like it's hard?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's so effervescent on screen. I mean, she's like that as a musical performer anyway. Mm -hmm. But to see it applied in terms of, you know, playing playing a role is really striking. So I, I would have nominated her over Octavia Spencer, but I'm not like, it's not a case of, you know, damn you for stealing a nomination. I think it was a case of Octavia Spencer has been nominated before. They've all been nominated before, except for Naomi Harris in this category.
2: Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it's a little bit of the, oh, pop stars shouldn't act snobbery?
1: No! I I just think they don't know who she is, and I think they played a part. Yeah, the three of those actors in that film, you know, the leads, uh, she's the least known in those spheres. They know who Taraji P. Henson is, she's nominated before. They know who Octavia Spencer is, she's won before. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Like, I mean, all of those voters should have been sent copies of her albums, because they're awesome. But (laughs)
0: her
1: music is so good, you guys. So good. So, but I, I don't think it was even something that it was, it wasn't, even, it wasn't an mal- actively malicious thought. It was just, okay. you know, here's someone I know. Yeah. So. And
0: her delightful support and how happy she is for everybody. Like, find you a friend who will support you the way that Janelle Monet supports her coworkers. Like, look at her face and her expressions at the SAGs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like she was just like running around from the Hidden Figures table to the Moonlight table and back, and thrilled for Mahershala, and just like find you that friend,
1: and you'll be okay. I find a friend who dresses that well because her fashion at this this Oscar season has been amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> Qu- question for you, so and I feel like Kaylee might be the one who kind of uh, will have the facts in her head the fastest on this, but do acting categories, do you feel like they tend to couple up in terms of, like, well, if they have the best actor or best actors or supporting like actor actors from the same movie, like, if one wins the other from the same movie, is more likely to win as well?
1: Um, not necessarily. Yeah. It really depends how well the film does overall on the night, which is why I mm. think, like, Ryan Gosling winning would be a more realistic surprise than say Octavia Spencer winning in this category. Yeah. Because, you know, there's no there's not gonna be a sweep for hidden figures, but there's gonna be a sweep for Lala La Land. I think it's really more about that. There's mm-hmm. a lot, you know, there's a lot of cogs spinning when it comes to getting you know, the campaigning done for this. And I think it just ultimately comes down to that. Yep.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. And Viola has fought hard for this. People have not been standing in her way. They know what's going on. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I am vaguely concerned because, like, we've been in this place with Viola before. <laughs> where she swept all of the the preceding awards and then
1: lost on Oscar night. I think there was a I little mean, bit of I, that, but there was more of the, I think there was more of a split there. That was more of a two-person race mm-hmm. than this. This, to me, reminds me of Leo last year. Mm-hmm. But not as desperate <laughs> Yeah I mean Like I know what you're saying I'm just uh, I've been hurt before Yeah I mean I, I try not to get too comfortable On these things Because uh, it, it hurts But I think this is probably as close as you're going to get to a lock On mm-hmm. any category I think you're right And she's going to look great and her speech is going to be wonderful And she's finally you know, so much closer to the EGOT yeah, um,
0: if she wins the Oscar, knock on wood, then all she needs to do is record herself a children's book and win a Grammy.
2: <laughs> Let's do it! <laughs> oh, oh, before we move off, do you remember that moment when Viola Davis presented The Award to Meryl Streep? Oh yes. man,
1: their friendship is delightful. The best. Apparently, Meryl Streep was key in getting Viola Davis to roll in doubt, which was kind of her big intro as an actress in film because she'd mostly been a a stage worker before that. So, yeah, that's always good.
0: Yeah, so, I, I love their friendship. That was just lovely. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, we need more of that because <laughs> yeah. it clearly pisses off. The right people. Yep.
2: <laughs> so, um, Kaylee's starting, I think, to do best original screenplay.
1: Okay. So, best original screenplay: *Hair or High War* written by Taylor Sheridan, La La Land* by Jasmine, *The Lobster* by Jorgos Lanthimos, and *Ephemus Philippou*. *Ephemus Philippou*. My apologies. Uh, *Manchester by the Sea* by Kenneth Lonergan, and *20th Century Women* by Mike Mills. Oh, hey! There's oh, wow. a called *20th Ooh. Century Women*. How about that? Wow! Look at all those men. Mm-hmm. Shit, tons of men. Yeah, I, I think Jazzman's going to win. But I think it's interesting. I you know, we'll, um, with original screenplay, this is really one of the few opportunities that, that the category gets to be like a bit more weird. Yeah. Like the lobster being in here is great because that film is just bizarre and bleak and sort of mundanely horrifying, mm-hmm. and just in a way that, frankly don't usually see outside of the indie circle and it is a very indie movie and it also features wonderfully podgy, mustachioed Colin Farrell
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think this is a, you know, the nomination is the win and I think that's the case for most of them the, the, I would say, I think Jazzman's going to win but I wouldn't be surprised if Manchester by the Sea does mm-hmm.
2: Kenneth Morgan
1: is a really beloved writer-director with the right people, he's, you know, he's pals with Scorsese, the film is produced by Matt Damon There is a lot of love for it, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and it's the kind of character piece that they like to reward. They're all about giving actors moments, you know. They're more about character than plot, which is necessarily a bad thing, Mm -hmm. particularly as, you know, Hollywood as a whole moves more towards, you know, franchise epics. So, like, I just, I don't want, I don't want Jazzman to sweep. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't it's not even like I didn't I didn't even dislike the film. I hated ending. I didn't dislike the film. I just This is the film that gets the same amount of nominations as All About Eve?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, and <laughs> Titanic. But I like Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> like, I understand why Jack and Rose get together. <laughs> right. Pants feelings. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: like, no amount of chemistry between Stone and Gosling can make me buy that. Relationship. Sorry. So I, I think that um, yeah, I'm going to see Lala Land, but I think Kenneth Lambkin is a spoiler.
0: All right, Alina, would you like to do best adapted screenplay?
2: Yeah. Arrival. Um, Eric Hissarier uh, from Story of Your Life by Ted Chang. Fences. August Wilson, fr- uh, who also wrote uh, the the stage play Hidden Figures Allison Schroeder and Theodore Melfi from Hidden Figures by Margo Lee Shetterly Lion, Luke Davies from A Long Way Home by Saru Briarly and R- Larry Butrose. Moonlight, Barry <laughs> Jenkins
0: <laughs> <laughs> But
2: <laughs> Sorry. Moonlight, Barry Jenkins and Terrell Alvin McCraney from Terrell Alvin's McCraneys in Moonlight Black Boys Look Blue
1: so this is an interesting category because Moonlight had previously been submitted as an original screenplay because it's mm-hmm. based off of a play that was unproduced.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the uh, the Academy apparently rejected that and said, okay, technically it is based on other material, even though it's apparently nothing like the play. You have to submit it as adapted. And I think that works in its favor because I think it can win here. I think this is Moonlight's best chance at winning something.
0: Yeah, have but you know that, what? I wouldn't be mad at any of these.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at them. No, and I'm not mad. I loved Fen- Arrival as a movie, but like, I don't see a bad, like, a dud in the lot.
1: Nope. I mean, I this is the one where I, I mean, if Moonlight wasn't in this category, this is the one where I wish Arrival would win because what Eric were did with that script—it's really stunning. Because if you've read that short story, you know it's a really fascinating, cerebral piece of work, but it's very tricky in the way that it jumps with with time and narrative in such a short amount of time. <laughs> so <laughs> that 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 film got made and is as good as it is, and that it made as much money as it did, because it's not a conventional kind of sci-fi story. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself is pretty uh, stupendous. You know, like I said, I'm not going to be mad at any of these people winning. Lion, I might have a chance. I think if Lion beats Moonlight, there will be a bit of a really kind of situation. Mm. Like, there's no La, La Land here, so we can all be like like breathe a little easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, I, I'm going to say Moonlight.
2: I want to say Arrival just because I like it so much, but it's so good. I know it's a little hard. Like you might be Hidden Figures really wouldn't surprise me. Like I really kind of have a tough time choosing this one. Mm-hmm. Raiden, you have a pick. I nope. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: nope. I'm just content. Fair enough. No matter what. <laughs> Next is Best Animated Feature, and that is Kubo and the Two Strings, Moana, My Life as a Zucchini, The Red Turtle, and Zootopia. Now, the only movie out of these five that I've seen is Moana. I heard fantastic things about Zootopia, and I also heard fantastic things about Kubo and the Two Strings.
1: It's a strong category.
2: Before Moana, I would have said Zootopia was a shoo Like, Zootopia had so much buzz. Like, it was a critical success. It was, it was a box office success. Everybody loved it. But it was such a long time ago. hmm Moana was just now, and it also had, like, all this great buzz. And Kubo and the Two Strings is, you know, that kind of, like, probably should win. But then you remember the interviews, anonymous interviews with the voters who were like, what the fuck is that? And, like, you know, they yeah. don't know and... So it's. I'm gonna s- cynically say it's down to Moana and Zootopia, and I think Moana has the edge just by being fresher in everybody's minds. Mm.
1: I think Zootopia is going to win. Zootopia is now one of the highest-grossing films of all time, and I think that people like money. I would like, in, in terms of sheer artistry, Kubo and the Two Strings easily, but it didn't make any money. It's stop motion which they are very much a pro-CGI animation category, which is ridiculous. And like you said, it's one of those things where people haven't seen it. Having said that, it did win the BAFTA, which was a big surprise. But
2: holy shit, Zutopia has made over a billion.
1: Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. <gasps> I don't think Kubo lose, winning is entirely out of the question, particularly after that, that BAFTA win.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. it's just... Like they showed a clip of that when we were watching the Baftas, and I pointed out to my dad that's stop motion. That's that's like Wallace and Gromit, and my dad didn't believe me. And he was just kind of blown away, and he like that was the thing that he was talking about all night.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like, if they get a good enough push for it, it's not out of the question. But it's such a shame because Liga Studios films are beautiful, and I'm so glad that there is someone making stop motion still other than Ardman. But God, they're getting screwed over by their distributors, who should be doing a much better job of this than they have. But yeah, I, I think Zootopia's gonna win. I mean, it's... Moana's obviously the spoiler. I loved Moana. It made me cry so much. Except for that bit in the film where those kids next to me started Snapchatting midway through it in the cinema.
2: Totally <laughs> off Travis Knight, who's the director, producer, and animator of Kubo and the Two Strings, but his pedigree, Coraline, Paranormal, the box trolls, it's like you said, like entertainment. Like, that's they need to start getting recognized.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I'm looking at the Annie Awards, who are the the um, awards for animation, and seeing who's nominated. And I think this might be, you know, and who wins. They do tend to lean. There was a there was a weird period where they were very anti Disney. They they have stopped that now, but I think it's probably going to win. Wait a minute, have they they announced them yet? No, wait, they've announced them, so yeah. So the winners were, um, Zootopia's been winning big there, so I think, well, I'm surprised that Finding Dory got in. But then again, that also made a a shit ton of money. I I would love to see more love for Moana, because I think it's almost, like, because it didn't make Frozen money, it still made a shit ton of money, but it didn't make Frozen money, and I think there's a sense that it is a disappointment. I I liked it better than Frozen. Frozen didn't have a giant skin crab.
2: Moana's made... Ah, uh, half a billion.
1: Yeah, but making a billion dollars is now the expected norm.
2: But it hasn't been out that long; like it's still got time. I'm assuming and
1: it's got time. Yeah, but um, you know, I think people were surprised by how well Zootopia did. Mm. I'm surprised by how well Zootopia did. It's one of the highest-grossing movies in China. Like it has that international appeal, uh, and it looks nice. I haven't seen it, like, but it seems good. It, it was really nice. In the UK, it's called Zootropolis, which I'm still kind of confused about.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: I'm guessing Zootopia was already copyrighted or something. So yeah, I I would like to see Moana because it's not going to win in song because the world isn't fair. There.
2: there is no word for optimism in Scottish.
1: <laughs> no, there is only alcohol. Any other ones? I haven't seen any other ones. I hear the Red Turtle's beautiful. My life is a courgette, as it is called everywhere else in the world. <laughs> Seems nice but it's a low budget Indie stop motion animation about Ennui and sadness so Probably not And squash
0: Would
1: you like me to do foreign language film?
0: Uh, Since I think you're the only one Who's probably seen any of these (laughs)
1: Sure We could do foreign language and then documentary And then I think the rest of it's going to be in song And then we can just gossip Um, So best foreign language film Land of Mine from Denmark A Man Called Oeuvre from Sweden the accent was not deliberate I swear mm, The Salesman right. from Iran uh, Tana from Australia And Tony Erdman from Germany I've only seen one I've, I've seen Tony Erdmann Which is I so was... much better than you think it's going to be <laughs> but A three hour movie in German About What exactly? It's a three hour existential comedy drama in German about a father who plays the most awful practical jokes on his daughter and kind of ends up gaslighting her in the process. But it's actually really funny and really sad and weird and like a really specific commentary on sexism in the workplace. (laughs) It's such a bizarre film that works on these really ridiculous terms it sets for itself. I completely understand why people would dislike it, but I loved it. I, I mean I, you can imagine
0: the face I'm making right yeah.
1: now so. I <laughs> thought it was going to win Until um, The director of the salesman Asgard Faraday Was barred from entering the country Under Trump's completely unconstitutional Racist as fuck ban On um, Well I don't know how he's um, tried to sell it, But the Muslim ban essentially is what we're calling it He has said I think there was a way that he could come into the country And he said that he won't He will be boycotting the ceremony um, as well, as some other people in honor of Oscar Faraday, and I think that there is going to be a push for that. But also because he's won before, mm-hmm. so I think there is an element of of political voting there, which isn't a bad thing. I hear the film is wonderful. I yeah. believe it did win at can last year. I just I would like to see Tony Erdman win just because it is such a bizarre, incredibly brilliant at what it does, highly specific film, and I would like more people to see it before they remake it. Mm-hmm. they're about to do because Jack Nicholson is coming out of retirement to remake this film guys oh my God. Mm. and Kristen Wiig who's awesome so she's very very well cast for that particular role as well <laughs> um, I don't think it will I her post SNL career is fascinating right isn't it it's so interesting but I think that that's a case of a lot of voters are just going to be like well oh, I don't have three hours to waste the Germans aren't funny so
0: Mhm.
1: And I, but I haven't seen anything else in this category, so it's really yeah. hard to get these films. Oh. Oh, yes, yeah, please, uh. I
0: did just discover that A Man Called Ove is um, or Ove is uh, available for rental on your favorite streaming platforms, but it is not on Netflix. That makes so you sense? have to pay money for it. <laughs> pay money? Okay. All right. right. Yeah, I was gonna try and see the salesman this week, and it just did not work out.
1: So I think that's gonna it's gonna get that push. Mm-hmm. But I, and also, I think people are interested to see who Oscar Faraday is going to send in his place to pick it up. Yeah, like there are so many awesome options that you can do there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and now here's Meryl Streep dressed as Donald Trump, right. <laughs> Rosie
0: O'Donnell.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, do it. <laughs> dressed as Steve Bannon. Yeah. Not even dressed as Steve Bannon Dressed as SNL Steve Bannon
2: mm-hmm. Speaking of, how how good has Melissa McCarthy been as Sean Spicer?
0: Oh my
1: god <laughs> She's on
0: oh. the plot <laughs> I think she's got the best guest Guest actress Emmy Sewn up yeah. Yeah. But that bit where she zooms forward on the
1: podium <laughs> <laughs> Oh where she picks up her leg as well Yeah Stitches
2: The apology from you to me has been, by me, rejected.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. SNL has definitely... picked up their game. Nice of them
1: to suddenly realize the penance of having to normalize a fascist while promoting a film. Funny that. Funny that, yeah. (laughs) I'm still mad they're not getting a free pass to me yet, even though Melissa McCarthy's also in that role. (laughs) And also, Jeff Sessions as played by <laughs>
0: Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon, yes. <laughs> <She's> uh, like, <laughs> but, however, her Elizabeth Warren was perfect.
1: Oh, she's so revving up for 2020, isn't she? She's like, Debs.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know.
2: No, Kaylee, are you talking about Elizabeth Warren or Kate McKinnon is revving up to do her an SNL? I'm saying Kate
1: McKinnon is revving up. She's like, Debs. Like, Mm. just in case. I think that's what the case is. Oh, yeah. And also, as someone pointed out, her Jeff Sessions impersonation is like an evil boy who's been cursed to live a life of a ventriloquist dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah.
0: All right, shall we move on to best documentary feature? I've just seen 13th. So the nominees are Fire at Sea, I Am Not Your Negro, Life Animated. O.J. Made in America And Thirteenth And Fire at Sea Is about Refugees Trying to make the Crossing the Mediterranean So yeah th- These are these are some heavy Heavy docs
1: This is actually Really fascinating category <laughs> in terms of Documentarians Tend to be a very white male Class Mm -hmm. and really we're seeing that blown out of the water with this year's nominations yeah i think the common wisdom is that oj made in america is going to get it it is a nine hour espn miniseries that they put in cinemas just for this
0: yep
1: and i think that there's enough buzz around that it is political but it doesn't it's not political in the way that like um like a michael moore piece is it's not Mm -hmm. as, as prescient and i think that that does make a difference Maybe a little too exhausting for some and they may get put off by that if that is the case i think uh 13th would do well here mm-hmm. trying yeah. to make up for eva duvernay not getting her selma nomination which i'm still mad about
2: well i, I yeah. don't know much about the world of documentaries but just generically eva duvernay is the biggest name there right
1: yeah, yeah. but that doesn't tend to be that big a deal. yeah it may make an impact here because it's a very relevant documentary that's been marketed very well. It's available on Netflix. There's no excuse for not having a, the chance to see it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She's been um, really smart about this. Like, there's this is a woman who also has her own distribution company. She knows how this works.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and she did win the BAFTA. But yeah. um, if I may make a really depressing prediction, Life Animated. Yeah, because here's the thing: the documentary category is notorious for shying away from the really hard-hitting controversial, progressive, important works and going for the, oh, isn't that sweet? And there's nothing more better than that than Life Animated, which is a very, you know, it's a very uplifting story. Mm -hmm. I want to mock that. It is about uh, the journalist Ron Siskine's son, Owen, who is autistic and basically found a way to communicate with the world through Disney films. Mm -hmm. The film was not, Life Animated was not made by Disney. But you can practically see the, the like the stamp of approval yeah. over everything that's been discussed about the film. You know, th- this is something that the this category does all the time. Joshua Oppenheimer's incredible uh, duology of uh, The Act of Killing and The Look of Silence, which are his films about the you know the massacre in Indonesia, two incredible documentaries, and they lose to Amy and Twenty Feet from Stardom. That's not to say that those films are bad. But it is very much a case of them like, oh no, this is too much for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Or Searching for Sugar Man beating How to Survive a Plague or The Invisible War. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, The Cove winning against Burma VJ or uh, the film about Daniel Ellsberg. Mm-hmm. Or Man on Wire beating know, pretty much everything in that category. They start to say that they don't go political, because obviously they do. You know, Michael Moore's won in this. Al Gore has won in this. Um, Alex Gibney <laughs> won for Taxi to the Dark Side. Inside Job was about, you know, the Wall Street crash. There are these examples. Citizen Four as well. Mm-hmm. It's a very, you know, very specific film about something that is still very controversial in America. Uh, but then you look at something like, you know, March of the Penguins <laughs> winning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it beat films like Enron, which is a really great documentary, one of my favorites, or Street Fight, which is about the mayoral race between Sharp James and Cory Booker, Mm -hmm. which is a really interesting documentary as well. But you see this happen. So my worry is that that will happen with Life Animated, which would be, that would be the biggest fuck you of the night for me, I think.
0: Yeah. 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 um, Like, 13th is a hard watch, and... What it's about is 13th refers to the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which outlawed slavery, except in cases when as punishment for a crime for which you've been convicted. Um, and it, it traces the, the rise of the prison industrial complex from the end of slavery through Jim Crow, through like this is how... White supremacy as an institution Has Created The fact that the United States With 5% of the world's population Has 25% of the Prison population of the world And Almost I mean I've spent My entire academic career studying Crime and justice systems So there was very little New information for me But there but she put together things that I hadn't really put together before and was like, Oh shit, yo <laughs> And it's it's a hard watch and it's it's definitely an indictment of like the entire system and the way it's been built. Like like the, the criminal justice system isn't broken, it's operating the way it was designed. Is just the simple reality And somehow And even Ava's like I don't really know how this worked out She got Republican and conservative people To agree to be interviewed She got Newt Gingrich she got her I'm kind of stunned by that by the way <laughs> Yeah And on Netflix after The documentary is over. There's, like, a 45-minute long conversation between Ava and Oprah Winfrey. And Oprah's like, how did that fucking happen? And Ava's like, I don't know. (laughs) We asked. I interviewed all these people for two hours. (laughs) So, and, and definitely the conversation between Ava and Oprah is totally worth a watch. Just in terms of, like... The logistics of putting all of this together and how originally she was like i wanted to do a documentary about the prison industrial complex and it just sort of grew into what you see and there are over a thousand hours on the cutting room floor it's a rough watch i think certainly all americans should watch it and so you understand how the society was put together and the role that corporations have in creating a lot of these laws. Cause that's true. If you have ever heard of Alec. Uh, it's um it's rough. But important. So I think that
1: um the it. thing that it has sorry, I think the thing it has over OJ made in America is just that length. Yeah. You know yeah. it is it is not an easy watch but it is a shorter watch mm-hmm. and netflix have actually been knocking it out of the park with their documentaries Yep. so that may help
0: yeah oj made america they, is also available on netflix but
1: again that's nine hours out of your life they had the, the, because in order to qualify for the oscar race they had to put that in cinemas yeah for a week so, like, there were critics who went and watched the whole nine hours. I think they put a break in the middle of it, but, like, you I know, would help so. <laughs> so, I mean, as pessimistic as I am about the whole life animated thing, I'm, I'm going to say OJ Made in America, if only for the sheer scale of it. Uh-huh. You know, you don't tend to see the, the celebration of the epic and documentary form in a way that you do with fictional films and the Oscars. But mm-hmm. I think it might be off here. Maybe. We'll see. Um, so- I just want to toss out in
0: best documentary short subject one of the documentaries is the white helmets which is about the rescue workers of the syrian civil defense working in aleppo trying to get people out of bombed buildings which is almost certainly another really rough watch
2: also a netflix one as we were mentioning that netflix is both in availability, but also, you know, the quality they're they're putting out.
0: Yeah, they are killing it.
1: So yeah, there are... Um, I think we'll cover one more category here, and then we can kind of go general, because there's stuff that we are not that nerdy about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to... I think we should go for best original song. I can do
0: this <laughs> one. Um,
1: um, hold, yeah. hold your responses until the end. Ugh. <laughs> Fine. Um, okay, so there is audition the fools who dream from la la land (laughs) can't stop the feeling from trolls uh, by justin timberlake Uh, city of stars from la la land the empty chair from jim the james foley story it's a sting song that's why it's there how far i'll go by from moana by lin manuel he's gonna get robbed
0: yeah just get get your disappointment ready now
1: (laughs) But you know, we've been talking a lot about. But we talk a lot about Oscar first. Like, who really wants an Oscar? Who is working hard for it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know how really fucking hard Justin Timberlake has worked to get his song from Trolls nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie, no, it didn't make the money it needed to either. But Justin got a lot of promotion out of it to the point where he got to sing at fucking Eurovision.
2: Why? <laughs> I remember <laughs> did, that. Did, did, it was did, so did he weird. He called
1: the Euro song. <laughs> Screw you. This is why we don't let America compete. But um, if you haven't seen the Hollywood Reporter's uh, roundtable of songwriters, which is this incredible array of talent. You've got Sting, you've got um, Alicia Keys, you've got John Legend, you've got Pharrell Williams, you've got Tori Amos, and then you've got Justin Timberlake, who is trying so hard. He is like Hiddleston levels of hard trying. And you know what? It paid off because he's got nominated. But Mm -hmm. here's the thing as well. They clearly want a song that they can actually play at the Oscars because they don't play all the nominees. You're going to hear the the La La Land songs. You're going to hear Moana. I I think you may actually hear them all this year, but usually you don't. Like last year, you know, we heard Lady Gaga and Sam Smith, um, but we didn't hear, you know, we didn't hear Anoni or the song from Youth. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm. They
1: weren't pop or hip enough. But I think you're going to hear everything here. But God, I hate that troll song.
2: They'll probably do the two Lala La Land songs as a medley, is my guess. Yeah,
1: they will. Yeah, will. but they won't and, be sung by Emma Stone or Ryan Gosling. I heard. Yeah, according
0: to Wikipedia, um, Lynn and Ole—is that her name? I
1: They'll, think it's Ali, because there's a comma.
2: Yeah, Ali. Yeah, I guess. We're sorry. We're so sorry.
1: We're sorry. We're
0: so sorry. We'll be performing How Far I'll Go Together. Which, uh, remember when the Happy Working Song was nominated from Enchanted? Oh,
2: poor Amy
0: <laughs> And poor Amy Adams was like thrown out on stage completely by herself to sing it. And she like never mentioned it again until like maybe a few months ago I saw an interview where she was like, no seriously, that was terrible. <laughs> she mentioned so, it about- our round table as well yeah and thankfully nobody is throwing this this 14 year old how old is she she's like 14
2: she's 16 now
0: they're they're just not going to throw her on stage by herself she'll have backup <laughs> so which yeah. lower do you think is winning i mean there's always the chance that they'll split the vote
1: yeah, true but um I mean, the thing about the audition song is, and I don't even think it's the best song in the film. My favorite song in the film was the John Legend one, which is supposed to be the big evil selling out number.
0: Right, <laughs> um, that was a good song. But like, City of Stars was nominated for the Globe, and the audition it's, it's song wasn't at all. So, I mean, I don't know.
1: The thing about audition is, it's the song that everyone is now going to sing on the auditions for X Factor and The Voice. Yep. <laughs> Yep, those of you doing those of you doing
0: uh, community theater and high school theater auditions, get used to that song. Get real used to that song.
2: Okay, but imagine if Justin Timberlake wins just because all the voters have heard it on the radio.
1: Well, it didn't work for Pharrell and Happy. Nope.
2: Yeah, but Pharrell was black.
1: You know what? Why do women get so much? Cra- why Why did Anne Hathaway get so much crap for being oh so desperate and eager and trying too hard to please and all this shit? And then Justin Timberlake gets none of that. You know why?
2: Because a woman. I don't know why you're asking these questions, Kayleigh. You know the answers.
1: Rhetorically. <laughs> eh? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I think the um, audition is going to win just because it's also the big Emma Stone moment. It's probably going to be the clip in the, the 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 show that they play when the nominees are read out for best actress. Mhm. So I think that will play a part. But yeah, the, the John Legend big sellout song was so much better. <laughs> yeah. But it's evil because it's not real jazz because the white man says it's not jazz. <laughs> jazz is static art and it should never evolve and change. Says man whose race appropriated it from the people who made it. <sighs> I also think La La Land's going to win original score, but I wish Michael Levy would win it for Jackie because that score is amazing. But it won't because it's too weird.
2: <laughs> mm. Who do you think is going to grab costumes?
1: La La Land. It won't deserve it, but it's going to sweep.
0: It, no, it definitely won't deserve it. I mean, most of those dresses you can get from East Shakti.
1: I mean, I would give it t- like, and that's the thing is, it's so annoying to me because I I've always wanted the costume design category to acknowledge things that weren't big, lush period dramas. That was what was so great about Mad Max winning last year
0: because
1: mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a corset drama, but like. There, are, I think I could think of better contemporary films in terms of that costuming that creates a a style and a mood and you know really plays a part in the movie. Whereas with um, like, can you remember any of the costumes in La, La Land? The the, the, I, the colorful dresses, maybe.
0: I can remember the colorful dresses because I have seen colorful dresses like that on Yashakti, in that silhouette.
2: <laughs> I think Rogue One should have been nominated for costumes. I mean. Just for the silver stormtrooper alone
1: mm-hmm. i I mean i I love it when they nominate you know p- um, p- historical stuff, but more like twentieth century historical stuff, so like the jackie costumes I love, and also that you know she has to recreate some of the most famous outfits in history,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like the pink you know Chanel suit, yeah, which' is a really pretty suit, <laughs> yeah too, um, bad. <laughs> too bad for everything that got spilled on it. I mean, yeah, I think this is just going to be a case God, we're of... We're terrible people. We're terrible people. <laughs> I think mean, Coyne Atwood is nominated, but I don't think she's going to get it. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to go to this when Mary's office, who I assume is lovely. She's done huge work before. Yeah. You know, she worked in Hail Caesar. She did True Grit. She did No Country for Old Men. Like, she's got a good record. She's not... No one. But just everything about La La Land and that, those elements, is just... It's going to be another case where it sweeps because it's just ticking a box. Mm-hmm which sucks. Yeah. Also, shout out to Kubo and the Two Strings, which becomes the first animated film to win to get a nomination for Best Visual Effects. Nice. I think that
2: the Jungle I think Book's, Book's book. going to yeah, win there. Yeah, I think Jungle Book's going to win there. I think you're right. Do, do you think the Jungle Book re- deserve more nominations this year?
1: I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. I think it's one of those films that struggles to get recognition because it is... It's called live action, but it is almost exclusively CGI, except for that boy.
2: That's mm. That boy of the was the only real person in a room full of green screens, and he carries that movie. Like, do you think that deserved? Okay, if it was a movie about an adult that had to do everything on the green screen, do you think that adult would have gotten a best a, a best actor nod? No. No.
1: I think it's the Andy Serkis problem. Like Andy Serkis's work is incredible, but I don't think they know how to view it as acting.
0: No, and also I saw an article somewhere making the argument that they should bring back the Juvenile Oscar. Mm. Primarily because of Sonny Pawar's work in Lion. Because, damn, he's great. And he was like six <laughs> when they were filming. But you know, there there are people who are kind of like we've we've seen kids win before, but it's kind of rare, and it doesn't always work out so well for their careers.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Anna Paquin is kind of an exception, and even then, there was still a good stretch of time where she needed to you know go off and go through puberty privately. Um, I think it
1: works like better if you're not American in that front. Yeah. I understand why they don't have it. It's a lot of pressure on kids. And do you, frank finally yeah. do we want to put kids through the pressure of campaigning for an Oscar? No. And also, no offense America, but you treat your child stars like shit. You do. Oh. There are a handful of exceptions of actors currently working today who were previously child actors who are well-adjusted human beings. Ryan Gosling, Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix is necessarily well adjusted.
2: You think Leo DiCaprio it's
1: necessarily the fault of his child stardom? I don't don't think that's his fault. (laughs) I think think there's a lot going on in that childhood to explain that. But that's a different matter entirely. But I think there is certainly that, you know, I mean, Daniel Radcliffe even made that point himself.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, as a Brit, people didn't, like, on, on a British set, people did not treat him like the star it was you know you have to go to classes now dan you have to do this Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know you are not you you are the star of this movie but
2: you are not special and he still struggled with alcohol i believe so
1: yeah it's it's not a guaranteed safety net but it's certainly more i mean i think it helped for anna pack that she just had to go back to new zealand Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but she's doing okay like yeah uh, I i like her so I bought the first season of True Blood for £1.50 in a second-hand shop. I need to do it for podcast research. (laughs) Is there any um, exciting... Is there a nomination you're really excited about? Is there one that you wish had gotten in? Is there just like a, oh, fuck you situation here?
2: Jackie Chan's getting an honorary award, so...
1: I'm excited for that. I think he deserves it. Yeah, I think
2: that's exciting.
1: But I think that also highlights a big problem the Oscars has. It doesn't have a stunt category. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: I did watch the clip of him, um, he was getting, it was like a pre-Oscars award in China. Where mm-hmm. They were you know, congratulating him for his work and they played this clip of like his original stunt team thanking him for his work. And then they turned up and were standing behind him. Aww. And he turned around and they were there and he started crying. And it was like, oh my god, that's really sweet. <laughs> no, seriously, I'll take it up because it is just the most adorable thing. And he is still like kicking ass and making huge hits in, in China. Like his most recent film, which is called Kung Fu Yoga, which is an awesome title, it's amazing. Is, is already one of the highest-grossing films in in China's box office. Mm-hmm. Like he's the working, so I'm I'm happy for that. And I, I, I also, he is like the singing voice of uh, Shen in Mulan in China, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: which is just awesome. I, I'm excited. Who else is getting honorary awards this year?
0: Anne V. Coates, who is a British film editor. Lynn Stallmaster and American Casting. I mean, these were all given out at the Governor's Awards.
1: Which sucks that they are no longer given out on show. That's ridiculous.
0: And Frederick Wiseman, who is a filmmaker, documentarian, and theatre director.
1: Oh, Frederick Wiseman's a real talent, so that's a good one. I'm annoyed that they don't give those out on the show anymore. You just get this kind of clip, Mm -hmm. which just feels so condescending. I feel like the Oscars are on their way to doing what the BAFTAs do, where... They pre-record the show. They cut it to the important categories, and then in the end, it's like also winning tonight. And it's like everything, mm. like all the technical categories, foreign language, film, and all that things, which is so condescending.
2: Yeah. Speaking of clips, are you prepared to cry during In Memoriam? Oh. Depends
1: what the song is. <laughs> like, no, like the thing was when the year Philip Seymour Hoffman died, I was really emotional watching that segment, and then Bette Midler came out to sing "Wind Me With My Wings," and I was like, Bette, no. <laughs> so we, don't, we don't need you, bet But then last year, Dave Grohl sang Blackbird mm-hmm. on guitar. And that was so effective. Yeah. Um, so I think it is really just a case of the right moment uh, and the right tone. But I don't know who's singing it this year. I don't think they've announced it. No. So, as long as it's not just in Timberlake, we're okay. Oh, or the year that Esperanza Spalding sang Smile was really beautiful too. Mm hmm. Uh-huh. The presenters this year are pretty strong. Yeah, we got Warren Beatty and Faye
0: Dunaway doing Best Picture. Prove awesome. of that.
1: Warren Beatty is still working it, by the way. Oh yeah, I- I'm sure he's really proud of that fact too. But I didn't see rules Not Apply. Apparently, it was terrible. I mean, it lost a lot of money too. Mm-hmm. But I really like him and Annette Bening as a power couple too.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> the Rock's gonna be there to present How Far I'll Go.
1: Oh. <laughs> So we've also got Amy Adams, Rhys Ahmed, Javier Bardem, Halle Berry, Jamie fucking Dornan, Captain America, Samuel L. Jackson's, the white woman from Ghost in the Shell, uh, <laughs> Dakota Johnson, <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We can't just call him Dwayne Johnson, it's got to no, be Dwayne The Rock.
2: Dwayne the Rock Johnson.
1: Uh, Felicity Jones, Shirley McLean, Kate McKinnon, yes. Janelle Monae, David Oyelowo, Haley Steinfield, Emma Stone, and Charlize Theron. And then obviously the people, the main acting winners last year. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, Gael Garcia, Bernal and Jackie Chan are going to present the foreign language category. So okay. that's very cool. I was hoping, why, why not get Gael and Diego? <laughs> like, the, why not get the, the, you know, the romance of Mexico to, to do that together? <laughs> so, and also um, Jimmy Kimmel's presenting it this year. I have no real opinion on Jimmy Kimmel, as long as it wasn't Jimmy Fallon, I was okay.
0: Do you want to talk about the the globes a little bit? Sure. And how uh, Hugh Laurie accepted his globe for the night manager and said that he really appreciated getting a globe at the last Golden Globe Awards. And there was sort of this awkward pause, and he looked out (laughs) at the audience and said, well, it is Hollywood foreign and press in the title. I just figured.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like Tom Hiddleston saw that speech and was like, Shit, I've got to up my game if I win And then he panicked <laughs> I, I think he just opened his mouth and let words fall out I don't oh know what God. happened to
2: Tom Hiddleston I,
1: uh, <laughs> The top happened this is,
2: this is why I tried never to fall in love with a celebrity Because Tom Hiddleston,
1: how could he Because <laughs> it will break your heart <laughs> also, We will say for oh, that reaction Shot from everyone while he's giving That speech it was
0: just like, oh god, Tom, Tom, oh, just Tom, the look, Tom, like
1: Christian Slater doing the, oh okay, then face mm-hmm. is 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 masterful. Yeah. It's not quite as good as Winona Ryder at the SAG Awards. Oh my god. <laughs> just like, I, I, was she was she okay? Was she drunk? I think I she had a probably. few. Probably. <laughs> but just the way that it kept going, and then she quite she did like the reluctant comrade fist in the air moment. <laughs> it was so amazing. I love it. Like, I mean, I am I'm, I was interested in the way the Golden Globes work because La La Land swept in every co- category it was nominated in. But then there were other areas where the show was really fascinating mm-hmm. in its approach. So, like, Isabel Huppert wins for drama actress over, you know, N- Amy Adams and Natalie Portman. But then you get something like the TV nominations and wins. So the crown winning is pretty Golden Globy. Mm-hmm. But then Atlanta winning comedy is not... Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it kind of is, because the Globes will, will do that kind of thing. Yeah, but it's also like, pe- people still have these very weird expectations of what a Golden Globe win is. You know, like Mozart in the Jungle and Transparent mm-hmm. are both examples of that. They tend, they've tend, they been leaning more towards the streaming services over the past couple of years, because really all they have to do is convince like, forty people to vote for them, and they've won, because it's such a small group of people. So mm-hmm. you have something like you know, Billy Bob Thornton and Claire Foy winning for act- drama-, drama acting is pretty expected. Uh, Tracy Ellis Ross winning for comedy is not, but it's brilliant. It's not, but it was great. <laughs> uh, and then you have, like, the night manager doing really well is very Golden globe. That is very Golden Globy. Yeah. But then you have, you know, Sarah Paulson basically completing the sweep for playing mm-hmm. Marsha Clark, which is also amazing. I heard a rumor she's going to be playing Linda Tripp in the American Crime Story about the Lewinsky scandal. Oh, God. Which is such a bad piece of casting. She's good, but she's not that good.
0: No. Oh,
1: and also, I really don't want that. Also, one. I don't want to relive that
0: again. Also,
1: I don't think no. Monica needs
0: that. Monica doesn't need that. I don't need that. The country doesn't need that.
1: Let's and it just also not- doesn't need an American Horror Story segment about the election. Fuck off, Ryan Murphy. Mm. Like, I think the Globes were really interesting in that aspect, but the moment that. Jimmy Fallon wrapped its Edmund and Chastain, Redman and Chastain to Insane in the Membrane by Cypress Hill. <laughs> I, I, I was ready to make a citizen's arrest.
0: <laughs> you can't, though, because you're not a citizen. Sorry. I don't make the rules.
1: Vive la Revolution. So, yeah, I mean. It's not going to work out for you, though. <laughs> Seriously, fuck Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. I, mean, I can't say that enough. It's, times are tough, we have a lot on our plates and all the, But in these darkest times we should always remember Fuck Jimmy Fallon <laughs> Seriously, you hair ruffling Treacherous little shit Oh, you can't get through five seconds without laughing Aren't you sweet And also Lip Sync Battle was better When it was on RuPaul's Drag Race But that's a different matter entirely But you know what, no one was talking about Jimmy Fallon On the night of the Golden Globes They were talking about Meryl Streep
2: Yep And yeah.
1: it's true
0: She killed it and she's continuing to kill it. I think she gave a speech a couple of days ago and when she was like, yes, it's me. Hi, I'm overrated and over decorated.
2: I mean, everything Donald Trump says is stupid or a lie or a stupid lie. But when he calls Meryl Streep overrated, it's just. Yeah, dude,
1: I just I, I mean, I know that this is a totally separate issue. But I don't think Donald Trump watches movies.
0: No, it would get in the way of this cable TV I don't, think he, has, listen, TV I don't think
1: he, but I don't think he has hobbies, and I know that's a no, weird thing to kind of focus on. But like, one of the things that made Obama so wonderful was he was a voracious reader. He was really tuned in to music and film. Uh, he listened to podcasts. You know, he was a man who had interests and was a well-rounded, interesting human being. And I don't, th- I think that Trump's narcissism is so deep that he won't even like read a book. I don't. I, first of all, I don't think he can read. I stand by it. I don't think he can read.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he allegedly, based on reports coming from the White House, he does read newspapers. Actual papers, not online. Um, oh, you get cartoons in the back of the newspaper, so. Right. But he, he does not read books. I mean, it's clear from his answers when people asked him about books. He's like, yes, I've read books. I've read many good books. And people are like, which ones? And he's like, many good books. The best <laughs> books, are the greatest books. The books are huge. Right. And it's also clear he does not have hobbies and he doesn't have friends.
1: Yeah. And if daddy um, had only loved him a little bit more, we wouldn't have been in this mess.
0: Right. Which is why I'm constantly tweeting, your daddy's never going to love you, Donald. Never going to love you. Even if he weren't dead, he's still never going to love you. Please just get therapy and don't drag us through this.
1: <sighs> yeah. And that's one of the reasons I think that film is really important this year. And I think that particularly the Oscars is going to be really interesting. The Oscars has a history of being like a hot point political thing. Mm-hmm.
0: You
1: know, People give speeches about politics. And sometimes, it, you know, for the reputation of Hollywood being this big liberal bubble. Remember when Michael Merwan and called out George W. Bush and everyone booed him? Yep. Like, that only happened about 15 years ago, and people forget that. Or when Marlon Brando sent a Native Little activist... Father. Yeah, Sachin Littlefair, to pick up his award when he won for The Godfather. And, like, I've been trying her... to remember her name for, like, two weeks and keep forgetting
0: to look it up, and I just pulled it out of my ass right
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, like, people dismissed her as a prostitute. Yeah. She was an actual activist. It was saying like this was a thing that, for all of, you know, Marlon Brando's douchiness, this was a thing he actually cared about.
0: Yeah.
1: Or um when... Vanessa Redgrave won And voiced her support for Palestine
0: mm-hmm.
1: And was really kind of ripped shreds for that So like th- there's a history of this And I think You know ev- everyone will say It's like oh it's so you know, A bunch of millionaires patting themselves on the back But frankly do you know how many Trump supporters there are in Hollywood Having them hung out to dry Would be a good thing Yeah. So I'm not expecting it to be necessarily It's not going to be a rally You know that would be awesome but it's not Mm-hmm. But I do think it is mm-hmm. going to form a big backbone Of the moment but I think- By the way, that- I'm
0: skipping a protest To record right now So
2: We appreciate your time mm-hmm.
1: It's like going to church now, you do it every week
2: Yeah, <laughs> protest
1: is a new brunch <laughs> Please tell me you have a sign that says that
0: No, I don't Mine says I have one that says It does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty And Louis. Exactly. Sorry. always perennial. Um, I need to get some whiteboard stickers so I can make a reusable one. And I have another piece of foam core on which I will write, Never- ne- ne- <laughs> nevertheless, we persist. And this is not a moment, this is the movement on each side.
2: Ooh, I like that last one.
1: Thank you. That's good. I mean, I, I hope there are some proper, like, barnstorming speeches. I think some people are capable of giving them. Like, I think Mahershala Ali is a really good example of that. Mm -hmm. denzel obviously bless emma stone you know that she feels the pressure to do it and she just can't do it yeah so calm down girl it's okay you don't have to but it's gonna set a very particular tone for hollywood over the next couple of years you know these kind of films are gonna get you're gonna see films that are about big historical events that are paralleling what's happening right now Mm -hmm. like i would be really surprised if we don't see a film about the mccarthy witch hunts in the next four years yeah I will be really surprised if we don't see films about both Gulf Wars in Iraq, about anti-war protests, about particularly those movements that are led by women and people of color. Mm-hmm. I think you will see a lot of that. But I also think you're going to see a lot of escapism. Yeah. Which is and good. Like, there, a You place- know,
0: we need both. We need both because we can't... One of the things that, that I found really important, especially in the last, God help me, four weeks... Four weeks. It's been four weeks, I guys. know. I know. <laughs> there is moment not, not in the world. Going into a movie and turning my phone off and just not living in the cycle. Like stepping out of the cycle for two hours. And I was explaining to somebody that sometimes you just got to do that. And she's like, yeah, but every time I come back, it's still terrible. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's still going to be terrible. And literally... Nothing will have changed by the fact that you stepped out of the stream. It would still be terrible whether you watched it happen in real time or you came back and went, you said, what now? But just having those two hours to not be in constant flight or fight mode and watch something that has nothing to do with anything. Like, yeah, I saw A Dog's Purpose. It's not a good movie, but it was cute puppies for two hours it was emotionally manipulative, and I cried three times, and I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily suggest that you you know, spend a full-price movie ticket on it, but there were cute puppies, and that was nice.
2: Look, I get it. We made some beautiful movies under the communist regime.
0: Yeah. Say what you want about communism, but they got that shit done right. <laughs> so just taking some time to be and not in all of this because all of this there's going to be a lot of it and it's not a sprint it's not a marathon it's a relay race and you have to trust that when you need to put down the baton somebody else will pick it up and that you'll be there to pick it up when somebody else needs to put it down and that's the only way we're going to make it through this thing
1: it's it's okay for you to take you know fantastical escapist enjoyment and things but it's also okay for you to want to seek out that more challenging stuff that does focus on what's going on and don't worry because this year we're going to have a whole bunch of great examples of that Catherine bigelow is making a movie about the detroit riots in boston
0: um they they filmed a gun battle in dorchester with a number of people who were affected by the marathon bombing, and they didn't actually warn people that there was going—they were going to be shooting a gun battle that night.
1: Oh God! It didn't go over too well. <laughs> Side note, reading, but how happy are you that Patriots Day didn't get nominated for jack shit? Man, I—I
0: I kept forgetting that movie existed.
1: <laughs> like it happened, and we're all like, "Yeah, Marky Mark, whatever." <laughs> If a tree falls in the forest and Marky Mark isn't around to claim that he saved the day, did it really happen? <laughs> he uh, they, they are apparently now going to make a movie about Tom Brady, who I still don't entirely know who he is, but I know I hate him. And all I could think was, Mark mark Wahlberg must have had a hernia reaching to phone his agent to get that
2: role. Yeah. But who's gonna play Giselle?
1: Giselle can play herself. It'll
0: be fine. It'll be fine.
2: She's gonna make a movie
0: about
1: Really? God.
0: How boring is that?
1: That's the real problems in the world. do with. okay, quick rundown. Films I'm, that I think will do quite well next year. The Oscars. I know it's too early to predict this, but keep an eye. Mudbound was at it was at the Sundance this year and got rapturous reviews. It is directed by Dee Reese, who is a black uh, gay woman. She was uh, she directed Pariah and Bessie. If anyone saw those, Pariah is really wonderful. It stars Carrie Mulligan and Mary J. Blige, and it got incredible reviews. There is. The Darkest Hour, which is the movie about Winston Churchill at uh, the beginning of World War Two, it's got Gary Oldman covered in prosthetics, playing Winston Churchill. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Dunkirk, which is Christopher Nolan's film about Dunkirk. universally <laughs> It's got mumbly Tom Hardy. It's got Babyface Harry Styles. It's got greatest actor Mark Rylance in it. It's and, a giant war movie, and you know,
0: you know, so, and, and and it's about. You know, triumphing over adversity and saving and a first step in saving the world from fascists, or saving yourself so you can save the world from fascists later.
1: Yeah, that like so, like, like don't think that won't get tied into this. Oh,
0: definitely um, not. Um, I'm totally going to the Imperial War Museum in London and and oh, okay, sorry, go on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it's going to come out this year, but it's supposed to. Paul Thomas Anderson is making another movie with Daniel D. Lewis. Which is apparently about the fashion world of Paris in the fifties, but it's also okay. apparently a weird like there is a, there has been a leaked synopsis of what the movie's apparently about, uh-huh. which makes it sound like really dark, sadistic Fifty Shades of Grey, but arty and with nice clothes. So I'm like, sure. if you actually make that movie with Daniel D. Lewis, I'll be there. Like I can't not be there. Harvey Weinstein is remaking The Intouchables, which is the <gasps> French movie. Oh, no, not that one. Intouchables. Oh. Sorry. Oh, never mind. Um, never mind. No longer interested. <laughs> the, it's basically this French comedy about a wealthy, miserable paraplegic who hires an, an like, unemployed small town criminal to be his cure and he helps him to live again. Which just sounds terrible. I haven't seen it. Uh, but the remake starring Brian Cranston and some guy called Kevin Hart. Mm hmm. I don't know who that is but it's like that's really big baity stuff that might do really well oh and he's also producing that Mary Magdalene movie which I'm still kind of obsessed with (laughs) (laughs) they're dating in real life you guys that is like the best how did you guys meet story ever (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh and also Aaron Sorgan has a movie coming out next year which the lead role is a woman so i will be interested to see how much he fucks that up okay Oh, and also they're making a movie about Tonya Harding. Yes, I want that.
2: Well, I mean, we've kind of gone over a lot of this in in our last episode, but my one prediction for next year's awards would be that the live-action Beauty and the Beast will probably have a Best Song nomination.
0: Yeah, it's got a couple of original songs in it.
1: Oh, that movie's going to make so much money. (laughs) Yep. Just accept it now. I saw the trailer for it when I went to see Head and Figures, and like, I should be excited for this movie. And all I, I was just sitting there going, Ugh. and then they showed Luke Evans as Gaston. And I was like, oh, and then they went back to Emma Watson. I was like,
2: you know, it's bad when you want Gaston to save the movie for you.
1: Yeah, that's my problem. A uh, lot of problems with that movie. I'm sure we'll talk about it in another episode, but I will say that this year's Oscars, like it's going to do the same thing that happens every year. I'm going to get really, really excited, and then I'm going to be mildly pleased about certain things and then just disappointed about the whole process because I got too over in it. But I got over in it because the world is burning and I needed something to distract me. Yep. <laughs> Fun times, everyone. <laughs> Happy to 2017. Well,
2: I guess that was our nominations. So we'll see who...
0: We'll see who wins. We'll see who loses. We'll see what we're mad about. We'll see
1: who is best dressed. I think we're done. Unless, Does anyone have any closing statements they'd like to make?
0: Much better job on the nominations, guys. Keep it up. Fuck Jimmy Fallon. Fuck Jimmy
1: Fallon.
2: Fuck Mel Gibson.
1: Ugh! Don't do that, though.
2: Not no, no, don't do that. Not, please.
1: Someone hand Casey Affleck his pink slip and a fucking razor. Mm-hmm. And
0: let us all be Brie Larson at the SAGs and not be Brie Larson at
1: the
2: Golden Globes. <laughs>
1: So say if we all.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And we'll see everyone next month.
1: Bye. Until then.
0: Thank you for listening to Anglophies. I made a fail production. You can reach us on Twitter at Anglophies. You can send an email to anglophies at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes to help other people find the show. Thank you.